Welcome to Podaholics. My name is James Pikeway, and this is PowerWorks with Glenn Power from PowerWorks Automotive. Well, you, you know it from the title. We're going to be talking about cars. We're going to be talking car repair, all of the important stuff on your mind. And essentially, we want to keep your ride rolling. And no one better to do that than Glenn and his team at PowerWorks Automotive. Glenn, we were just talking, actually, and, and we, we were talking pre-show a little bit about one of the the cool features of what you guys are doing and and is this I don't, I don't know if this is just a dubai thing or if this is they're doing this in the uk and and other other places but really making a concerted effort to have a pickup service and there's two questions here as we lead into things and by the way it's great to see you and, and we're on wi-fi this week is you were, you were talking, it's almost like going to the doctor's office and the, the reluctant patient who heads into the doctor's office when you do a, a pickup of a vehicle who says, oh yeah, I'm bringing in for the oil change or I'm bringing in to get a look at the shocks. And oh yeah, by the way, there's this really weird squeak when I'm driving and I take a left-hand turn and I get, you know, I goose her and going around a corner trying yeah. to get a little wheel spin. It makes kind of a, a shearing it, it This is, this is a, an interesting byproduct or an interesting addition to that whole collection process when you send a team out? Yeah, 90% of our cars that, that, that come in are obviously delivered by the, the owner, right? By the, yeah. by the customer. So the uh, customer brings the car in and, and they'll say, okay, yeah, I've got a booking for a service. Yeah, shake hands. Nice. Well, not shake hands these days, but you know, nice to meet you. And, oh, while you've got it in, do you mind having a look? I've had this problem. Or, you know, and, it, and it's one of those things where a bit like, I don't go to the doctors, but when you do, it's like, oh, I've got this, 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 and this. Yeah, you, you, you want to have a checklist. You just keep a checklist because you, yeah, you, you want to maximize. Make it worth going. <laughs> make it worth going. Right, so what's the point? So um, it's, it, it's difficult now with the recovery service where, you know, we, we arrange a time for the car to be picked up. And, and the reason we're doing the recovery service is just keep people out of contact with other people yeah. just to try and help minimize that contact. You know, they, so, so we do that and... The recovery driver takes the vehicle on the back of the truck and drives it away. But uh, I suppose it exacerbates the problem now is the fact that these vehicles haven't been driven for potentially a month or two, especially in the case of teachers. Teachers have been, just like yourself, you know, nursery teachers were the first ones out where the nurseries were closed. And a couple of weeks later, they closed the schools and, and other educational establishments. And it's like, these cars might not have been driven for two months plus. Yeah. So, okay, you've got a, it's due a service on the schedule, but what else has it got? If the tires have got a flat spot, you know, the brakes starting to bind. Have you got a problem with an oil leak or an AC issue or yeah. a brake? There's, so, there's endless. And because we're doing this collection and delivery to keep people from contacting other people or minimize it as best we can, we're not having that customer interaction face to face. And it's quite challenging to, to know, you know, the last thing you want to do is, Send somebody's car back having serviced it, and then they get in it and say, "Well, it wasn't doing this before the service." Yeah, yeah. Although that was two months, that was two months ago, the last time they drove it because of the lockdown. So they're, they're technically right, but um, yeah, it's, it's making it a challenge. It, it's 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 interesting, and I don't know. We, we've always offered collection and delivery yeah. as a matter of convenience for a lot of people, but typically that person will have driven that vehicle the day before. Mm. So they, they, they may well say, oh, well, there was this and there was that. Uh, but, but now, you know, because the collection and delivery is almost a matter of course, it's it's, it's different to, 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 let's say, you call me, James, and say, look, I want to get the car in next week, but you know, I'm, I'm flat out lecturing. Can you arrange to pick it up? No problem. We'll have a chat there and then. You know I'm coming to pick it up, and you might mention a few things on your hit list. Yeah. But calling me now when it's, collection delivery is the norm because people can't get out there to get it done or they don't want to it's just okay the car's getting picked up and i haven't driven it for a couple of months so i don't know and i'll leave it to them and let them check it and unfortunately we don't know how long that piece of string is yeah and that's the question right what do we do so all our cars now are pretty much you know people are getting a really good deal they're getting free collection and delivery and they're getting an absolute comprehensive inspection regardless of the service level they require because mm. we need to be sure yeah 
That's kind of cool. I mean, I've got one of those vehicles sitting right now. It's got a cover on it because, you know, we have two vehicles. We're, we're working from home, my wife and I. So we, we do minimal driving anywhere because we pretty much don't leave the house. One vehicle's getting used. The other one's sitting. <laughs> I actually was looking at it today. It's been, you know, it's, it's the Jeep with the soft top. It's got no windows in it. And I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I think I got to put the windows back in. And, and yeah. she's like, yeah, you know, and, I'm, and then I'm thinking, when did we last drive that vehicle, by the way? I'm, and I'm, I'm legitimately can't remember if it was a week ago or two weeks ago. And all I'm thinking yeah, is I got to get them on rotation. Yeah. I, and I was thinking exactly the same thing. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing what you start noticing. And I, this has got to be a global phenomenon. In fact, I'm seeing it more and more across news feeds, things to look at with your cars. We've already done that show and we, we talk about it every week. So I think it's, it's kind of great that people are talking about it now, but the number of people whose vehicles have just been sitting and they've got stuff going on with them. I even noticed it one of mine. I, yeah. I, I'm, I noticed it the other day, we talked about putting some cardboard under and, and, you know, I've got some bricks and I just noticed the other day I pulled the car out and I got, Oh, what's that little drop there? And where's that little drop coming from? Yeah. And it was like, Oh yeah. man. And all I can put it down to is, you know, I check the oil. Oil seems to be okay. I'm looking at all the other lows and I, I think it is an actual little oil leak. And, you know, I drive an old Wrangler, right? So I'm, I'm, but, but the thing is it's come out of nowhere. And it's just, I put it down to my car is not getting its normal amount of mileage put onto it and things are starting to dry out or loosen off or who knows what. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 You've got, you've got metal components, which aren't major components like head and block of an engine. There's nothing more fundamental to an engine than that. And they aren't heating up and expanding and they aren't cooling slowly to shrink back down and contracting. And, and and between them, there's gaskets and seals. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're sort of, sort of taking this in its basic or most basic form, but they need to be they need to be in use. They need to be getting up to temperature. They need oil yeah. circulating on them to keep them soft and supple. And, and, and we don't get that for two, three weeks. All of a sudden, it's the, you know it's the, it, it's a problem. And now to intensify that, it's hot again outside. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so you don't even get that. It's not even like you get that. That little bit of, and I, I've always imagined it this way. And I, I honestly put my hands up and say I don't know if there's any science behind this, but this is how I've always imagined it. If you, if you take a, I can tell you that ninety percent of the vehicles I see here have an oil leak of some description. Yeah. Certainly the European ones, less mm-hmm. so than the Japanese vehicles. Why, why do you figure? European why do you figure the European cars are getting these oil leaks? What's the what's causing that? Well, one of the things I think because compared to the UK, where I'm. Um, my other half of my career has been we didn't see many oil leaks at all now I know I worked in the VW dealership but those same vehicles leak oil here yeah like all the others they're nothing more nothing less just the same and I just put it down to the fact that and like I say this is just pure speculation and just using logic and expanding on it but I think if you take an engine that's sat out in the sun and it's 40 it's 40 degrees out there now every day and it's going to be it's going to be up to 50 and it's not going to start dropping now till October. Right. So yeah. before you've turned the key, the oil's relatively thin. The oil's 50 degrees, mm. you know, that's yeah. thin. So then if you've got a slight, slight tolerance or gap in the, um, seal or gasket where, it, where it sits between two components, there's a slight gap there with thin oil. That's going to get out. You don't get that time of the oil warming up and getting thinner at the same time of the metal components, warming up and expanding and closing little gaps and seals becoming lubricated and starting to swell up and fill the gaps again. You don't have that luxury because there's no cold oil. Mm. You, know, it, you start a car that hasn't been started for a long time, but the oil is still going to be 45, 50 degrees. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. There's, there's obviously the, the fact that we have a different quality of fuel here. It's, it's, it's not as refined. You get a lot more carbon deposits because there's less uh, hairs. The air is hotter so it's mm. less dense there's less oxygen in every you know pound for pound with, with air here than in a cooler climate so the fuel doesn't burn as well you get more carbon in the oil that causes internal damage so to speak on seals and components so there's a lot of other factors to it but you know you add, add the fact that it's so hot outside to an engine that's not been run for a long time and you know that the oil is less well the, the, the term isn't great but it's oiliness yeah. The oiliness of the oil and, and the viscosity of the oil is, is is completely different at 50 degrees ambient temperature than it is at 20 degrees ambient temperature. Mm. 
So you've got less protection, if you like, from an oil when you start the engine from quote unquote cold, having not been run for a couple of weeks. You, the oil's hot and it's it's run. The viscosity is is, is super thin and it's yeah. running to the bottom of the engine. And, and and a lot of the seals and gaskets on the top and the components on the top aren't necessarily lubricated as well as they could be. So there's a lot of issues with, with having cars lying around for a, a while. And it, it's one of the reasons that I think we've got to have a, a a preparedness to to what's coming, like when everybody does go back to normal. Yeah. It's, it's going to be straight. And, and I'm interested to see how how people take the, the public transport, how people view public transport after this. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be in our lives for a long time wearing masks and gloves on public transport, which I'm fine with that. That's no yeah. problem. You know, it's, it's pretty much the norm in a lot of um, East Asian countries, right? You yeah. see people wearing masks on public transport, and that's great. It's a, as a courtesy, it's, it's fine. Uh, but will it push people not to use it? So will that increase the usage of cars, personal cars, carpooling, um, you know, uh, chauffeurs, taxis, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, it, it, it opens up an interesting dilemma, especially with mass transit and social distancing yeah. required. So you, I mean, I've taken the metro in the past and I've been sardined in. There's no sardining right now. I, I Actually, there's an interesting one that I had, I never considered. And, and you and I have both gone to visit Andrew, Andrew Thomas, digitalnexa.com, the Digigeekster tech talk all of the different ways to get in touch with them uh and you you and i have both gone to the building that his office is located in and if yeah. you've ever tried to get up in that tower i i mean first of all you wait for a bank of six elevators and it seems that it's always the same two that come and then you get as it and then it's it's kind of like a ringling brothers barnum bailey circus act how many people can you get into the elevator and i always hope yeah. that there's a guy with food in case that thing breaks because i want to know that we've got something to eat <laughs> you know of course it's ramadan we're recording right now so that you know that would be a no a misnomer but i i'm seeing now pictures of elevators where they're only allowing four people in the elevators and you got to stand in the corners and they've got and i'm thinking hold on a second how is that ever going to work if i'm going to visit andrew and it's it's back to close to normal and they're only letting four people in the elevator at a time you're gonna have to arrive at that elevator an hour early (laughs) because there's just no way exactly yeah (laughs) i mean the only only good thing is i suppose for 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 this situation that we're in is is for us here in the uae um and in dubai in general we in particular, sorry, we, we've been told 30% of yeah. attendance for office staff. Yeah. Um, but those, those lifts at Andrew's place are a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, no. They need a fireman's pole or something. I, I, I just don't get it because I get in and I, and I, and this is actually a complaint I have with, with lifts in the UAE in general because they're computer driven yeah. and whoever has set them up has not put them on a demand system. It's not like they all are you know some of them are going a certain ways or you know they, that they're they're staggering them as they come down you got six lifts six of them could be coming down and going up it, it never seems to work like that so i don't know what they've done but clearly whoever's setting them up electronically doesn't know what they're doing and and i also don't like the fact that you can't obviously see where the stairs are yeah and happily use i know it's it's, it's it's a fair few floors but i would happily take the stairs yeah yeah it, I, I mean i'll at least I take them go, coming down yeah, in Manchester Airport in the UK, um, for the terminal that Emirates fly out of when we're coming back here, if we've been back to the UK, uh, we have to take a lift, and it's always queuing out the car park for people to get oh, on man. it. And and, it, and obviously, an airplane one's got a suitcase, right? Yeah. And, and this terminal is the international terminal, so it's long haul, so everyone's got a big suitcase, plus carry-on. So you can't <laughs> get on these lifts, and they're huge. The lifts are vast, but yeah. they're huge. So I always take the stairs, always take the stairs with the suitcase. It makes no, I don't care because yeah. I, I don't, I can't stand waiting for a lift. And then especially if you're that in that awkward situation where you think, oh, can I get on? Then you get on and then the wait, the wait limit's over or the doors won't close and it's yeah. like everyone's like looking at you and burning a hole in the back of your head. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, I mean, we've got onto that talking about mass transit, but I, I am interested, I think for, for people like us that are repairing cars, yeah. I think it, it's, it's probably going to be a time to there's going to be a massive shift put it yeah. that way now whether people go into renting cars or whether people wow. actually go into buying a cheap car i mean now is a great time to buy a car there's well, so many people <laughs> for us in the, in, the, in the society that we're in there's so many cars for sale yeah well this is the thing i wanted to i wanted to talk to you about that you know first you've got the used car market that is going crazy 
And then I, you know, I, I drive by the auto mall and I'm taking a look at some of the used cars that are being offered by Al Futame. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, man, they're flush. Like that auto mall, the one that's close to me over at Festival City is overflowing with vehicles. And then I'm, I'm, then I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking, hold on a second. People haven't been buying cars now for a few months. I mean, not on their regular, um, you know, the regular schedule that people might be doing. Ramadan's uh, sales have come in. I don't know if people are are rushing out to to cash in on that either. And and yeah. and then I'm looking at some of the stats out of the the U.S. and I just use it as an example because there was an article about it where you've got a, a whole ship that is essentially sitting off the coast uh, in, in the West coast of the U S and it's, it's full of SUVs and stuff that, and these are Nissans. So I think, what does it say? It's full of it. It's literally full of these rogues and infinity sedans and, and other things, armadas that it can't get into port because there's no room to store the cars because the dealers don't want to take delivery because they haven't moved any cars and they've got all their old yeah. stock and you've got the new stock coming in. So I'm looking at this going, yeah. this is, this is, you would think has got to be a windfall because dealers want to get rid of their old stock. They want to get in the new stock. None of it can really come in and prices have got to be falling. And then you've got, as you said, you've got the used car market where people are being forced to relocate. We're in an expat situation. People are forced to relocate and what's the first thing they got to get rid of is their car. And yeah, yeah you've got to sell it, yeah. And if the new car I mean, market should, should, is, is going to be cutting prices, the used car market's got to be in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, the, the used car market, I'm very familiar with, with what we do here because we see a lot, of, obviously, people buying used cars and bringing them in for us to check before they buy them. Yeah. But new cars is, I think now, I think it's fair to say factually that New car sales are probably as low as they could have ever imagined and worse yeah. right, right now. I think Shazad, so Shazad say Shazad Sheikh, he used to say, uh, the brown car guy. He he um, he did an article and a bit of a video about how globally there's thirty nine percent decline year on year. Yeah. And last year wasn't exactly a bumper year. So you know you take it back to like a peak year, maybe two thousand nine, ten, eleven, one of those years where where there was a lot of incentives to buy new cars to help these manufacturers out after the crash of 2008 and then things start yeah. to pick up again. You go back to those times and, and I bet you're probably 60% down. Imagine. And, it, and it's, and it's, and it's crazy because these, these just to turn the lights on in some of these showrooms is ridiculous. And this is where I think ultimately it takes as long as it takes to build cars mm. and you have to mass produce them. You know, we've, we've known that since Henry Ford started doing it. That's the only way to make them economical to, to produce and to buy. And if you can't sell them, if no one can buy them, you can't sell them and you can't make any more. So we have to mass produce cars and that takes as long as it takes. So there will always be an issue of stock. And I think they'll always be on the side of oversupply. But I think that might have to change. And the way, the way it was going before this happened, sort of contradictory to how we're talking or going to go on to talk now is people were seeing cars as a luxury. Yeah. People were going more towards public transport and car shares and things like that. But, but now I can't see how you would do that. Yeah. Right? You, you know, the, the public transport is fantastic. It's great. Don't yeah, get me right. wrong. But, 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 you know, you can't safely go and put you or your family members in a, in a carriage with another 50 people where you've only got, if you've got arms length between you, that's, amazing but it's never that like you say it's it's packed <laughs> so so people now then well that, does that mean people go back to looking to get to get cars and i think any any new car manufacturer and any franchise of a of a, of a manufacturer that they, they really should be saying look well, surely we can't hurt any more than we are just give these cars just give them away yeah give them away get the money back in okay get the money back in service and maintenance. Yeah. Well, give them away. That's, that's one of the things I keep thinking as, as I, again, I'm, you know, I'm looking around at some of the vehicles that are out there and, and I, I know what vehicles I like to drive and that. And I'm thinking, okay, 
the, the dealer has brought in XYZ number of these cars over the last five years. How many of them from some of these, you know, two year olds are sitting out in the field still with, you know, covered in plastic and, and waiting to be, you know, made, you know, whatever we call them prepped for delivery yeah. that they're sitting on that they're, you know, get rid of them at cost. Like guys, you got to start yeah. moving some of these vehicles, at least get your money back. Uh, even at one percent, but just start moving them, and I don't, I don't see them doing that yet. And but they just, they just, yeah, I, I can't, I can't believe it. I, I really can't believe it. Um, <laughs> and I'm selfishly thinking, I just want another vehicle, right? So I'm, I'm thinking of it from a selfish perspective. But the, the other no, side, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, there's a reason that. Okay, it's not a universal, it's not a universal truth, of course, but there's a reason that it's not everybody in. United States hates the fact that the government bailed out the big yeah. boat manufacturers there. Yeah. That people realize that it's a huge part of what America's known for. It's a huge part of their economy. In 2008, the government needed to save them. Right? So, so instead of getting to that position again, incentivizing people to, to, to take a new car and whether, whether you do it in the situation, like, you know, we've talked about them in, in the past with, with Audi and, and Porsche where you can pay a fixed fee like a subscription fee and it's tiered yeah. and you can go and take the go and drive any of the number of cars at any point during a month for X amount of dollars per month. You know, okay, do it. You know, yeah. in, these, in these days where people aren't necessarily mortgaging houses now, people aren't necessarily buying houses because of, you know, economic uncertainty and, yeah. and the amount of down payment and stuff that people need. Cars are going to be the biggest investment people make, and that's yeah. been the case for probably fifteen years now. I, I and, think, and, and people are now looking at things, at ways of not having to do that. Yeah, and they're they're looking at renting cars now. The problem with doing rentals is it's not very. There's not many G wagons that you see on a rental lot. Yeah. And there's not many Porsche Panameras on a rental lot, and there's not many Ferrari. Yeah, at all on a rental lot for long term rental. Right, yeah. you can get your supercars for the day or whatever, but there aren't many of those. And, and these manufacturers, you know, they, they need to look at it. General Motors is a good example, actually, because if you take the whole range of General Motors, you can go from a, a little Chevy Aveo all the way up to an Escalade. Yeah. Well, you can get a Chevy Aveo. You can sell thousands of those to the rental companies, no problem. But you're not going to sell many Escalades. No, no. But the Escalade is, it's the flagship. It's what people know. It's what, yeah. It, what it's the aspirational vehicle, right? That's and I don't get it. They need to get them out there. There must be thousands of them around the world sat there, like you say. There's some on ships. Can't yeah. get in. <laughs> exactly. Give them away. Give people a reason to own these cars, and 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 that will stimulate the market. That will stimulate the trade, and that will keep that will keep manufacturers producing because manufacturers need to yeah. get rid of the cars that they've just built to build new ones if they can't build new ones then nobody got a job yeah well i i think in the five months that we've had things going on now really we're 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 recording this podcast it's may and I think we've got this rapid shift now. We've gone and in, uh, in I think it's going to do our heads in because we've gone from, you know, think industrial revolution. What the, what was all that about? It went from rural to urban. And now we're in a situation where our urban lifestyle, congestion, high density housing, all of these things, they're, they're in existence. And we're starting to realize, hold on, the high density, this is causing some issues. So what do we need? Potentially, we want to we, we you know, and, and this goes totally against what we're what we're we're espousing for environment and things. But we want people to maybe live outside the city. We want them to maybe commute into the city. But now we're in a situation where you don't have to communicate commute every day. What if we have you commute once a week and you come in once a week for the in office stuff? The rest of it you do from home. You have the vehicle to do that. And that's where you live. And I, I guess it's kind of a little bit more like an English lifestyle, I mean, except for the folks who live in London. But otherwise, what do I, whenever, I, I mean, I, whenever I talk to folks like yourself, everyone talks about the village they came from. And, you know, those yeah, villages yeah. don't tend to have high density housing. I mean, yeah, okay, you get, you're going to have some estate housing and you're going to have some real housing, but you don't have an apartment building like we're used to here in business Bay, 30 stories sticking up in, you know, the Lake district. It's that, that's yeah. pr probably pretty uncommon. So 
it's almost like we're, we're backing up, but in order to do that, we're going to, we're, yeah, we're going to have more vehicles, which I think is kind of cool potentially, but they're going to be driven less. So it kind of offsets the pollution. But I think it's that this whole thinking process has to be redone again. And the, one of the things that caught my attention again here in, in the UAE was the leasing stuff that, that Toyota's got going. And I was looking at you know, why would I go and buy a vehicle, even a, a Yaris there, you know, 1,092 Durham's is the monthly lease. And I'm looking at, you get all your service, you get all your insurance, you get all your registration, you get, you get maintenance system for your fines and tolls, 24 hour breakdown recovery, passenger accident insurance, relief from administrative burdens, low upfront payment, 24 seven call center. I'm thinking, well, yep. why, why wouldn't I lease a car? <laughs> it's like, this has everything yeah. built into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's exactly right. But but the, the, they tend to be they tend to be the economical models. You know, you yeah. don't you, you can't. I'm sure you can. And there are lease plans. And, and in the UK, um, we were always with the dealership. We had varying different types of plan. I think the more the more popular one was a PCP, which was basically um, you, you end up with three years of payment after right. a little after zero down payment you have three years of payments and at the end of it there's the value of the vehicle when you bought it left to pay and you pay that as a balloon payment or you give them the vehicle back and then you take a new one and carry on so you never actually own the vehicle but what that does is it gets the vehicle sold out on the road for people to see and maybe buy one as well it then guarantees that in three years time they're going to have a fully agency maintained used car to sell yeah and, and, and that that's very, very important. And, you know, for, for us at, at VW, we had our sort of entry-level one was obviously the, the Fox and the, 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 the Up towards the time I left was the Up. And then all the way through to a Touareg and Phaeton. And you, they were all available, everything in between. They were all available on that. Uh, and and they, were, they were relatively affordable. And I think that, I do think seriously that whether this becomes a, you know, let, let's say, let's say General Motors plant is in a, in a township or on the edge of the city, and one of their plants has produced twenty thousand vehicles of an excess, that, so they've got a stockpile of twenty thousand vehicles. Would it not make sense to give that half of that stock to the local township or the local city government and say, look, these can be used by city officials or medical personnel or, or, or distribute them as they will. You can use them for school teachers. You can, you, you can assign them to, to shared um, vehicles like we get with the, with the e-car things over here. Yeah. Which, which becomes got to be somewhat that, that whole, somewhere they can put these vehicles. Right? Yeah. That whole e-car thing, that's a whole other option, isn't it? You, you almost think that those guys want to ramp it up because, again, with all the stuff we're talking about and limited usage and the way we change that, you want to have those just parked everywhere. I suppose, I suppose the, problem now, the problem now is that, you know, let's say I've got COVID-19, I'm yeah. suffering with it, and I get in one of those things asymptomatically, and, and then I'm coughing all over the steering wheel afterwards or... Yeah. Or I don't even know I've got it. I'm not got any symptoms, like say, asymptomatic, and, and I'm touching my face, and then yeah. I'm touching the steering wheel, and then I park it up, and someone else gets in it. So that's why these guys are going to have a problem. But you know, if you can allocate, if it, it, obviously down the line we're going to get through all this mess with the, this virus, but you know, at that point, there's, there's got to be some kind of got to be some kind of plan for for manufacturers. How do they get through this? A lot of people have. They've done very little business for the last few months yeah. across the, 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 the whole of the world. So who in their right mind is going to go and invest in a new car? Yeah, I know that exactly. And so it becomes an interesting one. It's funny because I was talking with Colin saying, look, you know, and, 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 and it's funny because I'll, I'll preface this. And my wife said, Colin knows you, right? So I, and, and this was, this was the preface because she's looking at me and she's going, really? Colin knows you, right? And, and so I said to Colin, I said, Colin, I'm really thinking I would like to, to get a new used Wrangler, but I'm looking creamsicle colored, that creamsicle orange kind of, you know, Wrangler. And he says, are you ready to buy like today? And I'm going, I, you know, maybe. And my wife looks at me and goes, he knows you, right? He knows that you're, you're thinking of this and you'll probably never do it as long as Glenn can keep fixing your old, your old Wrangler. So you, you know that he, he knows this, right? And I'm going, oh, no, if he finds one, maybe, you know, maybe. And she goes, really? 
you, you think that's going to happen. But, but that, the point being, I'm, you know, he's pretty confident that if he starts looking, that there's going to be a creamsicle colored Wrangler between 2016 or 2015 and today that's out there. And it's like, why would, you know, the, the used car market in a sense becomes pretty brilliant. And, and when you start talking about the auction sites, you know, I drive, I drove by one, if you're on Sheikh, Zayed, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed road in, in the UAE heading towards Rack in Sharjah, there's a big auction site over on the right. It's flush with vehicles. There's one over in Warsaw in, in Dubai flush with vehicles. I mean, I'm looking at these going, where are all these vehicles coming from? That's my big thing. <laughs> I just think to myself, when I see those places, I drive past them a lot. I just think to myself, where are they going? Yeah. Where are they going? You know, yeah. like, who, 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 where's the market for this? And, you know, I, I think it's it's time that, unfortunately, you know, I'm not some sort of <laughs> crazy post-truth idealist or anything like that, but it is time that big businesses realize their responsibility to themselves yeah. in that they just need to get out there. But, you know, we, we talked about the, the issues that, again, we go back to General Motors where there was a bit of a, almost a Luddite sort of issue there where the motor builders, the engine builders were thinking, oh man, what we're going to do now? They're just going onto electric vehicles. What do I do? Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that, that is a, that is a genuine worry. Well, if there was ever a, there was ever a jolt to a market that would shift it that way. That now's the time, right? If, if there's ever a time to say that we need to stop making these cars because we don't get rid of them, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's start making the new ones. Yeah. You, but that does not deal with the stockpile, and, that, that, and that's my point: is exactly get them out there, yeah. get them used, and 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 make it that you know at least they're not just going to rot under a cover, yeah, in a patch on a patch of sand somewhere. That they, they're going to be sold and, and used, and, and whether you make money on them or you don't, yeah. they're out there. The, the, the work that went into them wasn't for nothing. And you know, if, if you go into a if you go into a VW dealership expecting to to walk out with a Polo, but you figure out after being talking to the to the sales exec or whatever it is that you can actually walk out with a Golf or a Tiguan or something bigger, yeah. then who doesn't want that? And exactly. You can put that down to any brand. You go into Nissan expecting to come out with a a Maxima, and all of a sudden you can come out with a Patrol. Yeah, because they need to do that. They're, they're the ones that the big the big higher end vehicles, the more premium ones, are going to be the ones that they struggle to sell. But they're the ones that are going to inspire people to want to have them. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't look at somebody necessarily driving a Nissan Sunny and think, "Oh, great." I want one there. But you might look at somebody driving a, a, a Nissan Patrol and think, oh, that'd be nice to have one of those. But, you know, <laughs> have, have you ever met, have you ever met anyone who aspires to own a Nissan Sunny? No, exactly. No, that's, right. that's, that's the problem. <laughs> hey, I had that's a good the one. Problem, right? There was a there was a good one, and it was in our notes from weeks ago, and it's not in the notes now. But it and I I was talking to my wife about this one, and it it goes back down to Teslas, and you know, folks are buying Teslas and this that, and there was some American company who'd come up with an electric car essentially, and I, I can't remember the name of the company, but the the size of the electric car is essentially an Escalade. Like when I'm looking at it, okay. I'm looking at an Escalade and it's big, it's heavy, it has giant batteries in it so that it gets a, a, a crazy mileage and it also four wheel, four wheel drive, it's got motors on each wheel. So it drives beautifully, but you could also go crazy in it if you really wanted to. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, you know what? I, I, I would buy one heartbeat because I want a big car. Right. And, and suddenly we've gone down to smaller things and then you've got cars and that if, 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 if we're going down the electric route and I don't have to pay for, for petrol, why wouldn't I want to have an Escalade? I mean, why wouldn't I want to be driving around in this thing? And I'm, I'm thinking you know this is, it's gotta be a Tesla killer because why do I want to yeah. own a little car and not that they're little, but why do I want to own a car when I can be driving this nine seater and get the kids in and be comfortable and <laughs> cars have, cars have gone, cars have gone like mobile phones. I remember, remember when everyone went with the first mobile phones in sort of late nineties where yeah. they were obviously big. And then I remember there was a there was a girl at our school who had a Nokia eighty two ten which was like tiny. Yeah. Like 
everyone aspired to have this tiny phone, which I, you can't even play Snake on it. Yeah. It's so small. You got in text. It's so small. But now they've sort of now it's the bigger the better. Yeah. So you pay more for a, for a, for a, for a, a Galaxy Plus or an iPhone Pro Plus. You pay more. It's bigger. And cars have gone the same way because they've become. They, they, and and I, I I put cars on mobile phones now, especially in the Tesla category. And this isn't to sort of make any sort of judgment about how they're just a novelty or, mm. or or anything like that. But I do think that Teslas in particular have become like an iPhone yeah. in that they're an accessory to people now. Yeah. And I think once people realize that, that the actual capabilities of it, you mentioned there, so so the four motors, so one per wheel on a four-wheel four yeah. vehicle, that has great implications for power, yeah. great implications for application of power and, and delivery of power and torque. I mean, phenomenal. 100% torque instantly from yeah. electric motor. Right. Well, well, they said this thing can but pull also, a boat beautifully. They said, you want to pull a boat? Yeah. You've got the right machine. But it also, it also makes um, ice and snow and sand and mud driving so much easier for the yeah. average driver. So modern vehicles now, internal combustion vehicles that have an engine, a transmission, trans- oh, no. transfer box, um, front and rear differentials, whatever it may be on a four-wheel drive vehicle, they have electronic controls to control braking and control power delivery to each wheel. Yeah. But that cannot be because of the because there is a link between all of those things and so many links from the actual power plant, which is the engine, to the wheel. That there there has to be programming and control units and extra components and blah 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 blah. And we've got a motor on each wheel. You just have a control for that motor. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's instant. That's 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 everything operated by that single motor. And yeah. the fact that you can you can have that layout opens up everything to to even more even more possibilities, even more capabilities for the vehicles now. Well, and and I just thought the 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 big issue with with some of these things becomes the fact that if you've got this big monster vehicle, well, then you can put the big monster batteries in it and you can, so then suddenly that, oh, I want to be able to go more than, you know, 300 miles or something. It's like, well, that's not an issue because we're going to put the biggest battery you can ever put in a vehicle because we have the room to do it and we're, and it, it just works. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, that's, that's the other thing as well. Like, you know, you get an Escalade size vehicle, but you've only got the space of a, <laughs> uh, a Yaris inside because the actual size of the vehicle is made up by batteries, but yeah. you know, they're getting smaller as well. Exactly. You know, they're, they're getting smaller. I think it's, it, it's it, all it is is now just a matter of the actual charging of the batteries, yeah. just the green energy that, that goes into it. And like we've said before, if we could, if we could get that electricity to be green yeah, and then we can start going to hydrogen because the problem we've got is lithium. Is it? Yeah. Lithium wow. is the lithium is to electric car. What, what crude oil was to the internal combustion. Exactly. And unfortunately, from what I understand, it's it's relatively more concentrated to a fewer fewer regions of the world. And again, like it always seems to be, these regions are rife with corruption and, mm. and, and sometimes war. And, and there's people going to be exploited to get their hands on 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 this resource to make batteries. Yeah. Uh, so I think if, if, if the better and the the quicker we can get a job, let's say a, a different option yeah. to just purely having a battery in there that we have to charge every day would be, would be better. Hey, I, I got to say, I, I, I got really excited moving on a slightly different direction really quickly here, but it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, I found this video called Hollywood cars. I put it up into the notes and I don't know if you saw it, but it's basically yeah. the guys who provide the cars for pretty much every Hollywood show. And yeah. what, what a cool watch, but it just got me thinking about my brother and Dougie and Dougie, as you know, does the smash up derby and all these other things. And all I kept thinking was, man, if we could get uh, a body because they're saying you know sometimes they just they get wrecks and they 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 had a picture of one and i can't remember the movie i, I have to watch it again i should have wrote it down but they had a, a rolls royce that they were using and it was on a chev body and they just made it look like a rolls royce like they literally fabricated this body for this vehicle yeah. in in their their workshop and they said they got you know they got a mechanic they got an upholstery guy they got a painter guy they got a graphics guy and 
and then they, they have these, but I just kept thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool to be able to get that nice body of my, my sister-in-law's Subaru and be able to throw that onto something that, that Dougie's using smash up Derby. And it really looks like her car with the washboard, uh, thing on the back too. So this, so this, this is going back to pranking it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, just what she's thinking, you know, maybe she's working from home, which I know she is. And then, you know, she's, you know, her, her daughter, you know, says, Hey mom, have you seen this video there? Look at, look at Dougie's new car. And, you know, I can just see her sprinting out to the garage to, uh, to see if it's still out there. And I just think it would be awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm like obsessed with this. I don't know why, because it, it could get me barred from Canada. She'll, she'll have everyone she knows waiting for me to come in. If it, you know, if anyone goes near her car, yeah, well, look, this, this isn't, this isn't new. I remember, I forget the model of, I'm not a Ferrari guy. I don't really pay much attention to them, but I do remember that the old Toyota MR2, um, from the sort of nineties that, that you could get Ferrari body kits for them Man, and they see. would look like a Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, I think there was something I saw the other day where somebody had put a Lamborghini Urus body kit on a Toyota RAV4. That's it a- looks like an Urus, but it's only a RAV4. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's to their own with that. Yeah. But, uh, well, I wonder what Smash is- Up Derby is going to happen in the summer. I, I got I to gotta get it on the line to Dougie and find out what, what's going on with COVID. Are they going to be able to social distance enough uh, to, to make it worthwhile to go and smash no, up cars? Smash Up Derby is to, is to not be socially distant. Right? You're, trying to, you're trying to get as close to them as you can. Exactly. You see, this so, is the problem. So, I, I don't know. But uh, no, when, when I was in, uh, when I was doing my. Uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was in Milton Keynes, but it could have been in Nottingham part of the training center for the WUK. But you remember the fast and furious yes. Tokyo drift? Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of the, the rapper, but, um, he'd got a, a VW Toran with the, it was green and the Hulk and it had the big fist coming out the back of it and all the Hulk, um, fiberglass all over it. We had, they'd obviously made a few of them. Uh, for the filming, and we had one of them in the training school. Really, uh, and it was just a bare bones Turan, just a standard one point. Yeah. I think it might have been the one point nine TDI, uh, like the base level one. And but for the for the purpose of photograph or editing, the external area of it was it was as the ones that you saw in the film. Uh, whether it was actually uh, ever used. I don't know, but that we did have one, and and, and it, it goes to show that, you know, you can do a lot with editing, <laughs> as long as it looks, as long as it looks kind of like it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we could, you know, for the for for the sake of, you know, if we have got a decent camera and a good editing suite, I'm sure we could. Put, yeah. I'm sure it could make one of the Wranglers look like a Hummer H1 or something. I, I, well, there's a there's a great one for sale right now, and I saw this online. Someone has taken a C5 Corvette, taken it basically apart, yeah, and turned it into buggy, a dune yeah. buggy. And I'm thinking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking again. Yeah. My brother's got 10 acres in the back of his place. I want to just show up one day and be out there just doing donuts in this Corvette in his backyard, hoping to not get near the pond with the Manigator in it. And, uh, yeah. you know, just having some fun, except, you know, there, someone might come out with a shotgun. You never know about that, but you know, <laughs> nice way to meet your brother. Hey bro, how's it going? What are you doing? He'd be exactly. saying, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> that'd go down well, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I thought who would spend that? And I was looking at the, the specs of it. There was, you know, it's still got, it's still got the, the regular powertrain, 5.7 liter LS one V eight, six speed manual gearbox. I'm thinking, you know, that kind of works. Short throw shifter, you know, mild performance crankshaft. I'm thinking, you know. Mild performance in the C5. <laughs> it says it's got Kooks long tube, header, long tube headers. I don't even know what that means, but sounds good to me. <laughs> I didn't look. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you, it basically, it sounds to me like it's just got pipes coming off the uh, exhaust port straight out. Yeah, so that's, that's what it sounds like. High, high flow catalytic converters. It's like, oh, there we go. <laughs> At least it's got those. At least it's got those. But the best part is is when I'm reading about this. The best part it says, contrary to everything else, the inside cabin looks just like a Corvette. They have it, so the outside's a doom buggy. You get into it, it's just a Corvette. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. now we are rocking. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, I mean it's probably the only Corvette that's ever been able to handle. It's probably the only Corvette that you can actually drive around a corner. So, yeah. apart from the new one, maybe. 
we we were talking earlier about GM and and not you know how they've got to retool things. That apparently they they were talking about bringing out an all electric Hummer pickup truck. Have you been hearing any rumblings about that? There was a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I saw the they done. They did. <laughs> they did the press on the yeah, in the Super Bowl. For yeah, it, but that's obviously been delayed because of this. But uh, I mean, I don't know who would buy that anyway. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, you know, because people will buy it. You know very well, people will. But the, the problem is, I mean, it's like a. So I've got I've got a friend of mine that he's moved back to the UK, and yeah. his wife always wanted to have a Hummer while okay. she was here, and then they never got around to it. Kind of because I always talked to him out of it. No disrespect, but yeah. they're not. They're not. The, they're not. Put it this way: they're not the ones that the military use. Right. Let's just yeah, say yeah. that. So people exactly. that get that aspiration, they're, they're not like that at all. So anyway, she, she, they found a H3 and they wanted to get it and then do a conversion for the headlights and, and the fog light and stuff like that and take it back to the UK. And, you know, I scratch my head. I don't understand. I don't get the appeal of them. I don't understand why, how's why, that why uh, they're so... How, how's that going to fit it. on the roads in Nottingham? I remember Colin talking to a, well, to me about how he got a patrol once and he was at, I don't know where he went, Lake District or something. And he said, the darn thing almost doesn't fit on the road. Like, forget if a car is coming in the no. other direction, you're going to get taken out. No, 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 no chance. I mean, he lives down in Brighton. So he's, <laughs> he's, um, that's, that's relatively rural. I mean, he's not far from London, but then there's congestion charge. And that's yeah. when we get congestion how much would it cost to fill the tank on that thing it's not very aerodynamic imagine what he's going to spend in in the uk on petrol I get no i get no um i don't really get any joy in saying it but i would i would never ever ever own a home in fact i know one guy that owned a h2 back in the uk yeah um and he used to have it because it was always getting petrol in it it was constantly <laughs> needed to fill it up yeah. he used to have his he used to have a, a little Lackey, as we call him, a little friend that would have to fill. He'd sit in the car because in the UK you sell fuel, and right. he'd make his friend get out and fill it because he was just constantly filling it up. He was just sick of it. He must get tennis elbow from filling yeah. up the car. Oh man, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't. What the electric one will be like, I don't know, and we'll probably not see many of them anyway. Yeah. Um, if they ever, if it ever comes to pass now, but uh be interesting to see but i yeah. just hope that they do something with that awful styling that they did on the h oh i'm uh, i'm sure obviously i i'm sure it'll well, stay the stay looking like don't that. look that way you know? it looks <laughs> the same as that and i still get it <laughs> i i and i kind of laugh saying you know i don't know who's going to buy a hummer you know an, an electric hummer but uh, you know i can actually think about it because i'm thinking if if i had the opportunity to get an electric wrangler i might actually do it right so i'm thinking if you really love the hummers and there's a group of people who that's their aspirational vehicle uh maybe it fits and yeah. and who knows and again same kind of thing right you've got a big chassis it's going to work pretty good one of the last things, though, I wanted I want to touch on. I know you got to get back to work and you got stuff to do. Is uh, did yeah. you did you see that the the head of de- the chief design dude over at Hyundai, Luke Donkervolk, has uh, he's resigned? Yeah. He stepped down. Yeah, I, I thought. I know, and it's it's uh, that's huge. Is to be. I'm not an insider in the slightest bit of imagination, but um, that that guy is obviously to thank for. Yeah. reason that the cars look like they do now yeah i mean you, you you go from was it like 2006 or seven or something you look at a hyundai or a kia from that time and then look at an audi bentley and at the same time yeah and then two years later you can see where the inspiration came from there's a reason that the hyundai's start to look like they do now there's a reason that i would have no issues putting a and I did have no issues putting Sportage on my drive. There, yeah. There's a reason for that. And, and this guy was obviously, if not the, if not the only, certainly a major um, player in that in that transformation that they did of the brand. It's 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 crazy to think what an individual can do. But, yeah. You know, artists are like that, and I think that's the only way to look at somebody like that is as, as an artist. And there's no reason to not say that um, vehicle design isn't an art form because it is yeah so it'll be interesting to see where things go with hyundai and and kia and of course they've you know it's an interesting time for all of these brands to sort of reshake things up a little bit and think about things a little bit i think as everything well, yeah and you'd have to say that you know you don't you're dealing with this, this this guy is a very very 
educated and, and he's been through the trade and, and he's been through the whole industry doing what he does. And the company of, of Hyundai is a huge company. Exactly. And you would think that between them all, you know, there's been a contingency plan and a succession plan. Yeah. You would think so. Because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise the next generation of Hyundai's and Kia's are not going to be the same. No. I, They're not going to be as, uh, as desirable, shall we say. They keep saying there's, they've still got some formula tweaking to do, and let's hope they can keep their eye on the prize because they've, they've really definitely got it to where it's going, needs to go. It's funny because I, I always, nobody ever took Hyundai seriously, certainly not in the UK. It was not, you know, it was not, a, no one inspired to have a Hyundai at any point in the UK when I was there, really. Um, but I remember when I just started my sort of adult training. Um, with VW, uh, after finishing my apprenticeship, there was a there was a, a, one of the technical trainers there, and I forget his name now, but he was notorious for being so so strict. Yeah. He was really really strict. So some of the trainers were sort of there to to teach you and, and educate you and make sure that you passed the course so that you could then apply what you'd learned in the workshop. This guy really was, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but he was quite the. Uh, he was quite a stickler for making sure that if you were going to pass it because you passed, not because someone helped you on the test or the quiz. Um, but he left and he left to Hyundai and nobody could really understand. Or I certainly couldn't understand at the time. And he, he was quite blunt in his, in, in, in his opinion of these guys are going places. Yeah. He obviously saw it, that they were, he's like, no, these guys are going places. They know how to make cars. They make good cars. And he was going to be a technical trainer there. And I think he was taking quite a senior role. So um, I was quite happy at the time. So I'd never actually had him as a trainer. And I, I'd always been told that he was, a, he was not good mm. to have as a trainer because he made you feel like you knew nothing. But maybe I'd have reacted and responded quite well to that. Who knows? But I always remember him going and thinking, why would somebody leave VW to go to Hyundai? But see where they are now. He obviously knew something. He was obviously ahead of the curve. And, that was probably a similar sort of time to the designer having left Audi, yeah. this guy yeah. uh, talking about now. Um, so they went through a massive change and, and, and they're still going through that. And they, and they are now a vehicle that people would happily drive. Yeah. Glenn, we got a lot more to talk about, but we'll pick it up on our next podcast. Uh, as always, lovely to be able to sit down and have a conversation if you want to, well, you have been listening to PowerWorks with Glenn Power from PowerWorks Automotive. If you want to get in touch with us, podholics with a K at gmail.com. Go and check us out on the webpage, www.podholics with a K. Com. And of course, I don't know how you're listening to us, but you are listening to us on a feed. Give us a rating, drop us a comment, let us know what you think, and above all, share the link. It's that simple. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the PowerWorks. You are listening to Potaholics. <laughs>